Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode. Hey, guess what? Before we get into it, you might have heard, I am drafted to the two Ramagpies as a part of the Carlton Draft. I'm going to be playing a game, dominating, kicking six, and then resetting at quarter time. For the first time in Carlton Draft history, one lucky Victorian women's community club will get the chance to draft the AFLW GOAT, Erin Phillips, to play as a wild card. How bloody good's that? If you want to enter this now to get her down to your football club, visit thecarltondraft.com.au. That's thecarltondraft.com. .au. 18 plus, drink responsibly. Cobram Estate is the most awarded Australian extra virgin olive oil. Let it be the hero when entertaining family and friends. Cobram Estate extra virgin olive oil is fresh and full of flavour. Perfect for roasting, frying, baking, dressing salads and for dipping bread. Make your food taste even better with a little help from Cobram Estate. Premium quality, great tasting and a versatile healthy alternative. Buy in store at all major retailers. Yes, welcome back to Tradies. Sam McClure and Mitch Cleary. Each week, we chat trading, buying and selling of AFL Play Season 1, Episode 4. Hello, Mitch. Hello, Sam. How are you? Couldn't be better. You're really warming into... Actually, firstly, firstly, before we get into that, how's the move? How are you acclimatising from the... Uh, the large postcode move of Elwood to Albert Park. <laughs> Good, thank you. The uh, Most of the car's empty. I've just got a big rug between the driver's seat and the passenger seat that runs right through my car at the moment. I need to get inside the house. But apart from that, most what's, of the move is done. What's the one? There's always one thing. What's the one thing that you've put off in the move? There's always one room or one article yep. of clothing or furniture. It's my like, casual clothes and stuff because in the last week I've well, basically you don't really been in the wear suit. casual clothes. So no, you just wear just a suit mostly. Mm. So most of the casual clothes are still in their boxes. I have actually had quite a bit of feedback uh, from this podcast around you know the casual attire of myself versus the suit and tie of you. Yep. Where is the seven pin though? Because every time I see you on seven, you've got the pin. Yes. Do, do you like? <laughs> it's like a married guy <laughs> taking off his wedding ring when he, when he goes into a bar. Do you get into the podcast? We go, better take the pin off. It's a very good question. So it's a clear discrepancy. Broadcast, anything around the game for me is pin. Anything news, no pin. So Saturday night footy, when I'm on the Saturday nights, pin. And it has to be straight. I always work with the floor manager to make sure it's straight. And then anything else news-wise, no pin. You would have, you would have known. Serge, the, the Serge Mark, Serge, Serge all the guys. The there. You would have known this when, in your time at seven. Yeah. Do you have the pin on you? Uh, it's usually my top pocket, but it's not today. Change the suit jacket over. Yeah, How's seven, your week been? The seven pin. I've had, a, I've had a week already, and we're recording this on Tuesday night. For those who don't know, I've got a greyhound, Diva, and uh, I take her to Faulkner Park every morning for a run, and she she's cut her foot open this morning. I don't know how. Oh. I'm not sure how. And she's usually quite, funnily enough, she's usually quite a diva with things. You know, if like if you step on a toenail or if she, you know, like slips over, she's... But this thing, she had blood coming out of her foot. No limping, no crying, absolute trooper. And did you go into dad protective dad mode this morning? A little bit, but I took her straight to the vet, got it cleaned up, and, you know, she has to wear this like plastic little little sock. But, you know... It, the, the dog park is a dangerous place to because it's very public. Well, so as part running, of my move, I'm looking for a new dog park, which right. we might get into at some stage. Well, I'm sure the good news about moving from Elwood to Albert Park is if it doesn't work out in <laughs> Albert Park, I'm sure you could just find your way back to Elwood. I, I was actually thinking today, so there's I'll tell this story another time when I'm a little bit more comfortable with it, but there's, there's now a weekly occurrence with someone that I've had a discrepancy with work-wise oh. over the years who her dog- She's a few to pick from, wouldn't they? Her, there's a lot. Her dog and my dog now interact. I sort of, I, I come in from a certain point and her dog's always there at the same time, the same week. Anyway, we'll get to that later. But 
a couple of weeks ago, I was walking Diva at the park. It's got me thinking about this um, ahead of the podcast, what happened to her today. And she's now Miss Social. She goes and welcomes everyone to her park. She thinks it's hers. She ran over to this guy and and, and the guy was patting her and you know giving her a lot of attention. I said, Diva, come on. She wouldn't go. And eventually I worked out who it was and I was like, so it was James Hurd. <laughs> now, James and I have always gotten on quite well, but we had a bit of a disagreement in grand final week where he was at an event, a grand final event. You know how these lunches go, right? Yeah. Funnily enough, Tom Brown was there early but missed the action. Was he wearing his pin? He was wearing his pin. Oh. So oh, I bet it was news, Tom. Maybe he wasn't. <laughs> anyway, long story short, James made this inspirational speech while he was being interviewed on stage about how he declared himself as he wanted to be the next coach of Essendon. Yeah. He wanted to go back. He, he thought that he was the right guy to lead them to the promised land. So I'm sitting there in the front row at lunch, invited guests, by the way, recording the whole thing. It's in front of like 800 people. It's, it's being filmed. Yeah. Like, of course it's public. Anyway, so I feel like I was doing the right thing. And I went up to him at the end of the lunch. I said, look, I've recorded it. You saw me sitting there. I'm happy to delete the audio, if we just step outside for five minutes, you give me, I'll interview you. Yeah. You give me the quotes that you want to give. Because sometimes you get a bit impassioned when you're up on stage. Yeah. They say, you can't, you can't report that. Where was being filmed to? Uh, or was it, it being broadcast? I don't think it was being streamed necessarily, but there's enough, even if it wasn't being filmed, there's enough people there. Like it was a grand final lunch. Yeah. And uh, I said, well, well, James, you know, like it's, it's a pretty public event. You've declared yourself you want to be back as coach it's a story oh, I disagree with you I said no no that's fine that's why I'm offering you like give me your own quotes we'll go outside and we'll do it properly and you can think about it he said no I said well I'm going to print the story then and I did I think the age put it on the back page the next day you know heard I want to come back yeah and uh, I'm not positive he took it particularly well Maybe you should have a dog race in the dog park over it when Diva's foot's back to... That's an unfair event, though, because Diva would beat just about mm. any dog on the planet, apart from other greyhounds who, yeah. <laughs> who are bigger and faster than her. But she doesn't make many of those. Anyway, give, give me round, till round 11 and I'll tell... Okay, I'll, I'll looking tell forward to that. I'm going to put that in my notes. The other Faulkner run in. So what should we start with today? Because there's a couple of things I want to talk about from the whiteboard from the week. But we've also got a coach who has decided at round three he's already calling for a mid-season trade period. I think we should get to that. That's more current. We'll get to the whiteboard in a moment. I've got a strong addition I want to put up there. But Craig McRae had this to say at his press conference on Monday. No, I'm, I'm big on that, uh, that that mid-season trade. I think it'll be great for the game. Um, you know, within the right uh, parameters, I think it'll add a, a, something for the fans and enjoy that. And um, opportunities like this, for example, to come up and we might need someone. Uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a, big, a big fan for the mid-season trade. What do you think? I think it's a bit rich given what they did not even six months ago in trade period, well, it's, trading away. A, it's very rich. Or Australian in Brody Grundy, who. They told is Brody being Grundy paid. with five years left on his deal. Yeah. You got to go. And they get a couple of injuries, and all of a sudden they want to change the rules around the game. Look, I mean. He was asked a question, so I'll, I'll give him that. It was a Nick Butler question, wasn't it? Nick Butler. Doing he's the been in good form, Nick Butler. I feel like he's making a, like a strong comeback into the, the question game. You know, that's a, Got presence at press conferences, Nick well, Butler. It helps when you're 6'6", six, six, I think. <laughs> I know you don't listen to any other Dylan Dylan Friends podcast, but- No, I do. Do you? Yeah. yeah which ones? 200 plus. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure I believe you. I just think, like- I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to you get 40 to 45 blokes on a list that you've now got the supplementary period. So you've got more than just the trade period Yeah. to add and subtract to your list. Like it's a war of attrition. That's footy. That's otherwise, Mitch, if the mid-season trade period comes in, we should both apply to be list managers. Yeah. Because like if something goes wrong, just tr- just change it. Richmond would have won the flag in 2017 had there been a mid-season trade period. Ben Griffiths goes down. 
Jack Revolt was the only key position player. They had to change the way they played Sean with Grigg. the small forwards. Sean Grigg coming in, Butler Castagnarioli mm. completely forced their arm or their hand at the at the um, probably forced both yeah. at the tactical table for for Damien Hardwick, and they won a flag off the back of it, and basically built a dynasty off what I think in hindsight was one injury to a key forward in Ben Griffiths, and they had to change the way they played. Yeah, I just who, who knows? Dan McStay and Ash Johnson might be. You know, I know we're talking it shouldn't, footy. But. It shouldn't happen, but it'll happen. Like it'll come in. Will there be stipulations around, you know, some contracted players, you know, not contracted players, you're in the top 25% of earners at each club? I think there will be some stipulations when it initially comes in because I think, like you're saying, it's it's inevitable, isn't it? But then there'll also be the other end of the scale. There'll be like a guy who's not getting a game in the first six weeks, right, and say, look, let, take Jack Ginevan, for example. Pies are flying. It doesn't look like Ginevan's getting his way back into the team anytime soon. Yeah. Imagine a club contacting Jack or his management and saying, don't worry about pushing for team selection. Now, I'm not saying they would do this, but I'm saying this is what it could lead to. Don't worry about pushing for team selection. We're going to poach you in the, the mid-season trade. We'll offer something good for you and you'll be playing round 12 for us. Yeah. And hopefully in the finals. Like, it just, I, I don't like it. I don't like what it could lead to. I don't like the fact that it dilutes the value of being a strong list management group. I think some things in footy are fine the way they are. And for me, one trade period and also you've got the mid-season draft like if if Collingwood but you can't go and pick up a Todd Goldstein or a ready-made player in that there'd be there'd be a Ruckman in the Sandfall or the Waffle that would be playing good enough footy just on that can I put a name on, you know I love the mid-season draft I do know because you will name someone that I've never heard of I'm positive you have heard of this man oh. Sam Naismith at oh, Sydney Sam who did his ACL on multiple occasions playing for Port Melbourne. He's the best ruckman in my view outside the AFL and there will be a club ready to snap him up if his form continues. Anyway, that's just my little so, two bobs on the mid-season so that could be draft. Could well be if Cameron's not back in time. Yeah, okay. So we both know on the mid-season? Yep. Just the other part of that too. It's going to make the bad clubs worse. So if you're in the bottom four at the mid-season turn, mm. back to North Melbourne, for example, last year, they probably would have taken a second round pick for someone like Todd Goldstein oh, straight away. to go to a contender. North Melbourne less competitive in the second half of the year makes Goldstein go to a club where he might contend. That's just a pure example. Mm. But the AFL's whole mantra at the moment is any fan can rock up with the footy and their team is a chance of winning on the day. Yeah, that was Gillian McLaughlin's um, pledge in his first press conference as CEO. Yeah. And I reckon he's delivered on that, just about. I agree. But that would be taken away considerably yeah, that's a good point. if the mid-season trade was introduced because the bottom four teams will get worse and – that's where you introduce the tanking conversation. Not saying clubs would necessarily tank, but the eye to the year, year after would instantly become sharper than what it was for the... Hello, my beautiful friends and family. Guess what? I am back. I am back. Third time lucky. My third time drafted in my life. I'll be making a return to footy as a part of the Carlton Draft, along with some big household names. Not as big as my name, but uh, some quite big names. Isaac Smith, Trent Cotchin, Matty Lloyd... Lee Montagna, some of the all-time greats of our game, as I've just mentioned. One lucky Victorian women's community club will get the chance to draft the AFLW GOAT Erin Phillips to play as a wildcard. How bloody good is that? If you're a part of women's community footy and you are keen to get Erin down, enter now at thecarltondraft.com.au. That's thecarltondraft.com.au.
18 plus, drink responsibly. Final 10 games normally. What have you got for the whiteboard? I'm putting Brisbane's midfield on the whiteboard. Mm. Beaten heavily in contested ball by the Bulldogs on Thursday night. They go and get Ashcroft, as they should have at Father Son. Dunkley comes in on a nice contract to come in and- Just one of best and fairest. Absolutely. But when you bring something in, it means something has to go out. And there's two guys that played VFL on the weekend who many clubs, I think, would believe as AFL players. Devin Robertson and Jared Lyons. Jared Lyons still has next year to run on his contract. It's a contract he signed in the middle part of 2021. A year, he finished third in the best and fairest. So his currency at the time was high when he signed Mm. that contract. Mm. He's playing VFL. And when you look at it on the surface right now, it's going to be hard for him to get back in. When you've got the inside players like Neil, Will Ashcroft, Dunkley, Jared Berry, rolling through there. Now, he's on the other side of 30. It's going to be hard for him to get another opportunity. But this is what happens when you bring in a Dunkley and an Ashcroft, his players fall out. West Coast last year, while under contract, had a look at Devin Robertson. The Lions said, no, we love what he does as a defensive midfielder. He's important to us. He had 10 tackles in the prelim against Geelong. He's a two-way runner in the midfield. He's playing VFL. He was sub of the week before. And they would have had that conversation with Robertson knowing that they were going after Dunkley and knowing Ashcroft was coming in. Yeah. So the Eagles that- could... I'm not saying he's going to revolutionise the Eagles, but he is one that would be on their whiteboard right now, Devin Robertson, as a ready-made option, you know, turning 21, 22, to come in and and be a 10-year midfielder for them who's already had the development under his belt. He's a WA kid. They had a look at him last year. The Lions said stay. Now he's being forced to play twos. The other factor on this, Will Ashcroft, in the 2024 draft, so two drafts away, his younger brother Levi is already being touted as a top prospect he's going to have to come in at some stage and play midfield. So if I'm Devin Robertson, I'm looking at an opportunity elsewhere, and it's probably in the West through the Eagles, who had a look this time last year. But do you think it's poor management from Brisbane? Because everyone wants to have depth in their midfield. Like Lots of clubs would like to have Robertson and Lions playing in the twos. Absolutely. But- or are you saying they should have thought ahead and cashed in on draft picks earlier? Well, they're only one injury away from Devin Robertson playing an important role, yeah. granted, but Last year, the Lions had the currency. They had the whip hand because he was under contract. Mm. Now he's out of contract. He's open. The the Eagles can come in and make a play for him. So the Lions have got no strength in the market now for a player like Devin Robertson. He's free to leave. So the Lions had all the power last year. Now it's gone. The other thing is they're trying to get players like McCluggage and Zach Bailey through the midfield. They're trying to, and they need a bit more zip through there. That's why you're seeing Bailey go through more center bounces. Devin Robertson's a pure inside mid. And right now, with Neil, Dunkley, Berry, those players are sort of taking those roles. Okay, you go up and put that on the uh, whiteboard, the Brisbane midfield. You've had some good whiteboard entries, actually. Just two non-player entries. West Coast Eagles was a big hit, and now Brisbane's midfield. Can you just write up, uh, I'll, I'll explain it, just write up next to my name, CTT. CTT. And that is Carlton's trade tactic. Now, I've read and listened in at least three different news outlets this week that Tom DeConing is about to re-sign at Carlton. Yep. Two I've years. done a fair bit of work on this and all I can say to you is that from where I sit, I don't think that's true. Right. So it's not as far down the path as some are suggesting. I don't think the path has begun, even been constructed. Be, the tradies haven't got to work on the path. There's no pavement. No. So they haven't even so. booked to, to start building the path. <laughs> You're really milking this metaphor, aren't you? <laughs> now, that's not to say that at some point he will resign with Carlton, but here's where I want to get into the nitty-gritty of it, right? This, to me, smells of a club trying to put a bit of pressure on a younger player ah. to resign. He's playing good footy. Let's try to get this over and done with before the midway point of the season when people start talking about it a little bit more. Let's get it done. So you're saying there's a red herring from Carlton's end that this is 
further down the path than it is. Well, I feel like if you ever listen to Mark Evans, the CEO of the Gold Coast, when he gets asked a tough question, he wants to to deviate. He'd say, well, what I would say is, <laughs> so in answer to your question, what I would say is this sort of stuff has happened before and, and I'll take you back a few years. Now, you remember when Rory Sloan was out of contract. Crows yep. are going along well. I think yeah, it must be 2016 or 17, so they're about to play in a grand final. He's out of contract and the Saints have come with a big offer. I think it was four years at over 800 grand. Grew up a Saint supporter. I think he's from the Sandringham area from off the top of my head. And it was it was daily news in Adelaide. You're like, you know what it's like in Adelaide. And he's obviously one of their great players. Jake Lever was a similar time and Jake, that was massive. Charlie Cameron. like Yeah, it was, when, all, it was all happening. Yeah. And a story was broken. I was working for SCN at the time. I was doing their nightly six o'clock show. And a story was broken in Adelaide that Rory Sloan had re-signed, he'd recommitted to Adelaide on a long-term deal worth big money. And everyone was applauding and thank God it's done. And and then that night, I think after I got off there, the Sloan camp moved to extinguish the story and say, no, mm. we have not re-signed. That is inaccurate. We are still making our decision. And I was like, whoa, what's going on here? And we learnt when we dug a little bit deeper, Adelaide, who I don't want to, I really don't want to get into this, but were not well led at the time for, for several different reasons. Adelaide were trying to use the media to put pressure on Sloan to resign. Now, months later, Adelaide matched the deal and almost the cash that St Kilda had offered, but Sloan was still going. He'd still, he was leaning towards, I'm going to St Kilda. Yep. At the last minute, Andrew Fagan, CEO of Adelaide at the time, said, just give him a fifth year. Give him a fifth of the same money. It'll get him over the edge. St Kilda couldn't afford the fifth year. Sloan rang Simon Lethlane minutes before the press release got, got announced and said, look, I'm really sorry. In my own head, I'd committed to going, but the fifth year helps me. It helps my family, which you can understand, right? That's footy. And he stays Adelaide. So, so the initial story, which was wrong- and the tactics didn't work originally. They had to then it, buckle. But it ends up being right. So the, the, I'm just saying to you that, like, I'm not not telling you that Tom DeConing is going to leave Carlton. Yeah. There's every chance he still stays. But these tactics that go on, and look, it sounds very cynical of me, and I'm not saying that guys sit in dark rooms saying, you tell him this and I'll tell her that and that'll make it. It's not necessarily that Sopranos-like, but it's clubs use leverage like player managers use leverage in order to get the best deal for their parties. Yep. So what you're saying in this one is Carlton is trying to convince Tom DeConing through the media to stay when the offer they and they, and they knowing full well the offer isn't as strong as it should be to convince him to stay. Well, I think the money that I, I've heard talked about in this story is six hundred grand, like two years is six hundred grand. Why? And on I can't earth? see Carlton offering much more than that right well, now. Well, they can't because they don't have any cash. Because they need to know what they're doing with Mitch McGovern, who's coming out of a seven hundred and 80 grand deal. They um, need to know what they're doing with Jack Martin, who's coming out of you know similar money. Nick Newman's out of contract. They're going to want to re-sign him. We'll yep. talk about him in overs-unders. But Pitnet, Silvani, there's some other players If you're Tom DeConing and you're on half good money now, and the club that you're at is giving you a two-year extension at 600. Just for the listeners, what would we, would we be thinking? 400 ballpark now? He's probably on, I'd say, mid to high fours. Yep. So he's on over the average wage. Why well, take two at 600 when I know that Sydney will offer me seven or eight at 800 or I, I could get similar deals at Essendon or St Kilda? But it would only make sense for him to re-sign for two years and get him to free agency yeah. if those two years were really big money. Like if they were offering him two years at 900 grand. Or 
can I play devil's advocate? And he sees that the Carlton is tracking the right way, thinks in the next three seasons, like this year and the next two, that a flag is on the horizon. I'm going to take a little bit less and I'll back myself as a 26-year-old to hit free agency and be worth a million dollars a season. Well, if he's if he's doing that, he might be the best person on the planet, honestly. Yeah, and I'd love to get into this one day on another episode is what a, what a flag actually is worth for your currency as a footballer and post-football life. Well, yeah, I mean, like, it's your point is not out of the realms of possibilities and it's a very reasonable one because – this is what Geelong have done so well. It's what teams like Sydney have done so well that it's like, yeah, well, if you guys want to stay together, well, we can't force you to, but mm. you all need to take less. Now, if Tom DeConing is starting that that ball rolling at Carlton, well, he should be given a medal because that, that's amazing. I'm just saying to you, if I'm Tom DeConing, there's no way I'm signing that deal at Carlton if I know that there's three other clubs that will all at the end of the year, barring a significant injury, Touch wood. Yeah. Why would you do that? Just the last one from Alan DeConing. How far do you think Carlton's gone in its its final offer? Have they reached the end or is there still room no, to I move? Think there's, I think there's room to move. I just think they need to know exactly what they're doing with McGovern and Martin. Yeah. But I think most Carlton people would say to you that DeConing is much more part of the long-term plans than Mitch McGovern and Jack Martin, who struggle to get on the park. Mm. The McGovern one's fascinating because I actually think he's a very important player for them. But yeah. he only plays one every once every two weeks. Yeah. He's on huge money. And convincing a player, not saying this is necessarily just Mitch, but as a broader view, convincing a player to take less in the next contract at a, what he, what's his age? Like would he be 26, 27 now? Yeah, 27. Bit older. Reckon, yeah. He's always a tough sell when you've come in on what was he, probably seven hundred grand a year? Yeah, seven seventy, I think it is. A lot of money. To take less on your next deal at that age. You know, you know, he's on a thirty two year old just winding down. Mm. Yeah, it's good. They're delicate conversations. Yep. No doubt. So nuts and bolts this week. I want to go into the Joe Danaher move from Essendon to Brisbane. End of 2020, out of contract with the Bombers. Lions looking for a big name, key forward. One year after the deal between Sydney and Essendon falls apart. Yeah. Which was basically two first round picks. Essendon wanted two first rounders, but one of them was a top five pick Yeah, that first year. And geez, life could have changed yeah. had that have gone Massively. through. And everyone thought it was going to happen and Sydney went up. No. So Danaher hasn't played much footy at this point. Yeah, Bombers still keen to keep him, but the Lions coming with a lucrative offer. Many people at the time thought that to trigger a first round compensation, so after your first pick where it falls in the draft that year, needs to be a six year, one million dollar offer. Yeah, and this is where we all talk about the secret herbs and spices, right? Yeah, but what the Lions did, and I think the the Bombers had an awareness of this to ensure that it became the ultimate win-win for both parties. The Lions came in with a shorter-term contract, but more cash up front. Right. So it was a three-year deal at around 800, even up to maybe 850 a year for Joe Donahue at the Lions, which triggered a first-round compensation pick. As a restricted free agent, it meant that Essendon had the option to match it. They got pick seven as part of that deal. But how did... Like our listeners will say, how would Essendon have known that the shorter deal at more money was going to be worth more than the longer deal at less money? Because with the secret herbs and spices, it goes, it's it's factored more on the cash, as you've spoken about a few times on this show, than the, than the length. So even four or five year deals are the same as a three year deal on the same ca- on better cash. Mm. I just don't like how it feels negotiated. The I'll cynic say that- in me say, says that it gets concocted by the two parties. Yeah. Beforehand. So Essendon know what they're getting before they get told. You ask the AFL and they say that when the offers comes in from the club like Brisbane to Essendon, the AFL don't give Essendon an awareness on what pick they're getting. But Essendon, because he's a restricted free agent, get the offer from Brisbane. So on Adrian Adoro's desk at the Bombers, it would have lobbed. Brisbane's coming in at three years at around $800,000 a year. He would have known full well at that time that that was going to trigger a first round compensation pick. Mm. Had Essendon have matched it, like the Giants did with Jeremy Cameron, there's no way that 
Brisbane would have traded a, a top, top ten a pick, top 10 pick yeah. for Joe Danaher, who at that stage had another twelve months out of footy. Yeah, and this comes back to your point about the win, the original win-win where Essendon get a pick seven, which got pushed back to pick nine. Yeah, who did that end up being? Archie Perkins. Yeah, who looks a looks a player. Looks a player. Yeah, yeah, and Brisbane get their player for nothing. Now, how did Essendon have matched that deal? They would have had to have traded for him. Brisbane would have had to have traded for him, and Essendon probably wouldn't have got anything better than pick seven. So the ultimate win-win. The other factor in this was after those threes at eight hundred, about eighteen months into that deal, Brisbane come along and extend him for another two years. That's right. Now, Brisbane will say, and I, and I fully at less cash. respect this, at less cash, yeah. that the three years was done because Joe's body, which I understand because it, who knows what his body would have done after those three years. He hadn't mm. played much footy. Mm. And his desire, he's a bit of a different guy, as we know, Joe. He yeah. moving to a different city. Was he going to acclimatise that well? How is his body going to stand up? But his first year was pretty strong at the Lions. So Brisbane would say that. Yep. And I would say. And what would you say? The cynic in me would say that it was all It was manipulated. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. give you three years front-ended, make sure that Essendon get a good deal out of it. But, you know, halfway through the, your second year, we'll top you up. It was investigated by wink, the AFL wink, at the wink, time. Nudge. Oh, who investigated it? Brad Scott. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> who is the coach of Essendon right now and is reaping the rewards of Archie Perkins. It's funny how I love the footy AFL. swings. I love the AFL. That was a great, that, that great nuts and bolts. The, those those behind the scenes stories are so good for our listeners. By the way, speaking of listeners, Lockie from Canberra here, been uh, loving the pod so far. I've got a sort of very detail oriented question that I've always wondered, and I think you boys might be able to help me. So, does a player's incentives in their contract count against the salary cap? Is the idea? So, if a player was on say like a 500k base salary, they got a 100k bonus for sort of a BNF result, something like that, and then 100k in matches. Does their contract count as 500k against the salary cap or the 700k against the salary cap? And sort of does that variability mean that some teams sort of overshoot or undershoot the salary cap as well when they didn't plan to. Anyway, I've been loving it. Um, have fun. Bye. That's another voice message for, for, for tradies. I like it. Thank you, Lachlan. We love- I like the intricacies of this. And it's a great question that he raises because so many people, Mitch, particularly around trade time, talk about incentives in contracts. Yep. But not many people talk about potential ramifications. And this is exactly Lachlan's point. Do you want to kick us off? So if a player was on $500,000 base, but $100,000 of best and fairest, 100000 on matches, does the seven hundred in total count against the TPP? It does. And the other thing that a lot of people might not realize is clubs have regular meetings with the AFL around TPP estimates, what they call that. So clubs need to meet with the AFL regularly through the season to ensure that they're hitting between 95 to 105% yep. of their salary cap, which in the last year was about $14 million roughly. Yeah, 13.8 or something like that. Yep. Yeah. So yes, they do. But are you saying that these are bendable? Everything's bendable when it comes to the AFL. So it's about 50-50. So about 50% of all AFL players are on some incentive-based yep. contract. Now, whether that's how many games you play, whether that's where you finish in the best and fairest, some of your top-end players, say like a Paddy Cripps, would, would now have incentives about Brownlow votes and where he finishes, all Australians. All Australians, big one. All yep. that sort of stuff becomes harder and harder the more that you have, particularly when you're a side that's on the up because you can suddenly have six All-Australians and be like, yeah. oh, hang on, we're in trouble here. But it's why every year, every year, there's always a weird story about who finishes so low and the best and fairest. And and sometimes it's just the way it is. You know, for instance, when Ben King kicks 42 goals or whatever he did for Gold Coast in a side that was awful and finished like eighth in their best and fairest. Do you think and suddenly everyone's like, hey, what? He finished where? Do you think he had a best and fairest clause in that contract? I personally don't with Ben, but but I'm saying that there are clubs and situations which you basically 
ring a couple of people who were there the next day, or you ring another club. And I was like, oh yeah, he was he was going to earn another seventy five grand. He finished finished top five in the BNF. Yeah. So they just made it so that the last two rounds he just didn't get any votes. So but what you're this saying stuff is, happens. What you're saying in the last few rounds of the season, there's no more per, no more nervous person at the club than the list manager no, who's no sweating on the incentives. Yeah, yeah. They like hit the twenty game trigger, which fires off an extra forty grand, or just using rough numbers. But you know, you hit the certain games, you mm. get an extra trigger game trigger, and then you got a contract for the next year. The list manager, not only are they dealing with trying to attract players from other clubs at that time of the year, yeah, August, September. Andrew Dillon at the AFL being yeah. like, have you gone over your TPP? Yeah. Like, you think about, you've been at Best and Ferris Nights, right? Probably working or yeah. if you're invited down at the Cattery, I'm not, not sure <laughs> what, what kind of setup you're on down there. But when it gets to the last couple of rounds, people are usually on their ninth or 10th glass of red and the list managers and, the, <laughs> and his or her team are sitting up the back still on the soda water, shaking yeah. and trembling, being like, I really hope he doesn't get any more votes. <laughs> but this happens and that's why it's such a good question from Lachlan. Yeah. Because if you think about it, half the league are on incentive-based contracts. And- and from it, my, make, it means there's a lot of movement. From my view, the top guys are on more sturdier contracts. They're on the, the flat rates in most scenarios. Well, that's why like the, the, the good managers will tell you that they always want their best players to be on the most guaranteed cash. Yeah, that it can be. So, like, remember Stringer? You know, when it was like, he was out of contract at, at Essendon, and there were other clubs circling around, being like, "Well, we we can offer this," and then Essendon were like, well, "We we want to offer him that as well, but he has to earn it. You know, he has to play fifteen games and he has to kick forty goals. Or, you know, whatever the clauses were." And I think the management team are quite rightly sitting there being like, "Well, our duty for our player is to get you the, the most guaranteed cash." Yeah, even if. The incentive is probably fair, which I think for Jake, you know, it probably was. And players at a lower end, for example, Jack Ginevan, just using one example, Graham Wright said only when he was suspended for those two matches that this is going to be a financial hit for a player like Jack Ginevan. He signed his last contract before he blossomed last year. So he'd only played two or three games, signed his last two-year contract, which had heavily matched clauses in it. Yeah. So those not only was he missing two games of footy this year, he could be foregoing 10, 15 grand in those games because mm. he's missed the two matches that as a heavily match uh, incentivized contract. This reminds me, I hope he didn't, won't mind me telling this story. Jared Healy, who you and I both worked closely with and was, was a mentor of both of ours, I think, he tells a very funny story about when he started, I think, with David Hooks, the great late David Hooks on Sports Tonight, I think it was then called, back in the day on radio on 3RW. Yeah. And they had ratings clauses in their contracts. So for people to understand ratings <laughs> ratings numbers, essentially whatever the number you hear is the percentage of people at that time. Yeah. So if you rate a 10, it means that for your time slot, 10% of people who were listening to radio at the time listening to you. And he had a stupid... It was when radio stations and media companies had so much money, it didn't matter. You know, it was when Channel 7 were flying weather presenters halfway across the state on helicopters just to report it like a waterfall or something. Yeah. And Jared and Hooksy had like... It was something like 10 grand point... A one point decimal of a, of wow. a ratings thing was. So like if you went from a nine to a 10... And CPI it was then. Like, it, was like a, it was like 100 grand extra. <laughs> Which is probably 400 grand now. Yeah. So like they're, they're all just sitting there like creating this amazing content and they're just being like, hey, guys, how do we spend our money. <laughs> We're just going out for these dinners. <laughs> anyway, I was just thinking we should we should work oh, you in want with that seven and nine. We should work in some. You should have a breaking story <laughs> clause in your contract for every story that you break more than Tom. <laughs> you should get. Yeah. X amount more on like imagine sitting that down in December and th- thrashing that out and working out who's broken what and I what's think, more value. I think you and Lewis Martin. <laughs> I think I think you should sit down and, and and do some work. If you've got a suggestion for nuts and bolts, hit us up on Twitter or via our Instagram page at Tradies Podcast or TikTok, which is airborne right now. 
at Tradies Podcast on TikTok. I still haven't got onto TikTok, but everyone that You're I out. speak to says that. Well, if you read the paper today, if you're a government, yeah, no, government no, no. employee, you can't have TikTok because the Chinese are watching. Yeah. I'm actually okay if the Chinese are watching tradies, though. I'm I'm fine with that. I feel like We're the Chinese could get around yeah. the tradies. Well, when the China game gets back, we should do. If the China game happens again, we'll take trades. What happens to China. first, the China game or a mid-season trade period? <laughs> Jeez, whatever makes the AFL more cash. <laughs> Speaking of cash, overs and unders, where we look at players who are uh, over-underperforming based on what they are earning. Who are you going to start with? Mason Wood at the moment at St Kilda. He could well have eight Brownlow votes from his first three games. What would he be earning? We talk about the match incentivised contracts. He would be on one of those. So he was delisted at North Melbourne, given a lifeline by St Kilda. Mm. Funnily enough, Simon Lethland, head of footy at the time, good mates with Brad Scott, who was Mason's previous coach at North Melbourne before he was delisted. I think they're best mates, those two, aren't they? Simon and Brad. I mean, they were best men at each other's wedding. Okay. I think. Now, Mason Wood comes in at St Kilda. Yeah. First years, you know, there and thereabouts, played a lot of footy. But this year, these first three games, he's really taken a liking to Ross's game plan. Now, touch and go this week with a shoulder. I would, if you say the average wage is 400, just as ballpark, 150 to 200 grand plus yeah. a few matches. Yeah. I mean, North weren't trying to keep him, right? No. So it gives you a fair indication of what he's yeah. going to be worth. And there weren't too many other suitors. Yeah. No, it's a good one. Yeah, small left field one I mentioned earlier in the pod, Nick Newman. Yeah. So he's sort of been largely maligned, I reckon, at Carlton since he's moved from Sydney. He played quite early when they were rebuilding. Then he's been in and out of the team. He's obviously had um, his fair share of injuries. He sort of always falls behind when you think of their backs, Sard as the user. Doherty. And then Doherty. Yeah. yeah, and Williams, of course. But his first three weeks, he's only had one goal kicked on him. One goal in three. He kept Toby Green yep. goalless on, on the weekend and was in the coaches' votes. He'd be So Zach Williams is on nearly 800 grand. Mm. Nick Newman would be on about half that, maybe slightly over. But these are the questions that I think they're going to be asking themselves about. Now, now it's a little bit harsh to compare Newman and Williams because, you know, Newman's a lot older and is at the different end of his career than, than Williams is. But he's just such a handy player to be earning what he's earning and playing the way he's playing because they would have banked on him playing mostly in the VFL yeah. if everyone's fit. And, you know, we come back to you, you brought up Brisbane on the whiteboard and their depth. And depth gets you so many places. And if Carlton are going to end up, you know, having a crack at a flag in this year or next, you need your Nick Newmans. So like, on their whiteboard, you're saying at the start of the year, he might have been 22 to 25 on their depth chart in terms of importance of players. Totally. Yeah. And now he's probably top dozen. Couple of injuries, and now he's like Carlton have never had that player really that can go to the mm. Dugowies and the Toby Greens and the Dusties. Nick Dygan? Oh, Nick Dygan. There's a blast from the past. Yeah. Kick four in a final. He kicked four in the elimination final against Richmond. Yeah. When Essendon got kicked out. Mm. I'm sure every Essendon fan just <laughs> Threw had, a little bit, had a little bit of oxygen <laughs> come out of their lungs. Jack Lukosius. Oh, this is, you just, this is you pumping up your own tyres. This is you using a segment on this podcast. He kicked a goal from 73 metres on the weekend. That's one of the best goals you'll ever see. He's playing he's, everything we said about him in Ep 1 when he was just loitering around in that forward line and sort of pushing around the wing. He's on His last two though, weeks right? have been great. He's on, yeah. is he on, so is he overs or over? Over 600. No, on the last two weeks form, well and truly earning that contract. Mm. But we're just going to keep an eye on him in overs-unders. By the way, last week we spoke about Nick Dacos being potentially – well, in my words, well, you, the, you uh, kept telling me that you were talking about Nick Dacos because of the amount of views we were getting on TikTok. Oh, we're over 100,000 now. Some other suggestions, which I'll probably miss. Someone suggested, and I, I don't recall him saying this, but I'll take our listeners' words for it. Jason Ackermanis said in his career he never really earned over 300 grand a season. What? 
what? Which That's, is something I could hear Akka saying. That was from a from a listener. So funny. The other ones were, were Sam Walsh, similar tra- trajectory to Nick Dacos, Chris Judd as well. So uh, my call around Nick Dacos being the player who's played above their contract more over the history of the AFL was there thereabouts. But uh, yeah, there's some good suggestions from some listeners of the tradies. If you need uh, anyone talked up into form. <laughs> Just hit up Mitch, really. He can do it for you in overs, unders. Hey, we've got another listener question. This time, Charlie. Hi, lads. Uh, Charlie from Adelaide here, but I'm actually a long-time Geelong fan, which has actually been quite difficult the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to keep that short because I know we don't want the uh, footy talk sirens going off. question for you is uh, surrounding Asava Radagalia and his future, essentially based off his performances lately with uh, him playing in a replacement of Henry and Stewart since they've been injured. Um, just wondered what you think he'd be worth since we've had all the noise around last season around a potential move to Port Adelaide for him and uh, pretty sure he's out of contract at the end of this year too. So, uh, yeah, love your work. Cheers. Great question, Charlie. Mm, I'm and big thank, on this guy this year. Thank you. Well, I'll just I'll I'll hand you over to Mr. Geelong to talk about Asava <laughs> Radaglia. Well, we're talking about depth charts, right? So he's all of a sudden become super important. Jack Henry goes out of the side now. Asava Radaglia has a permanent role to play. They were go, awful down back on the weekend. Yeah, and leaking goals. All I'm saying is. Geelong might put the development and work into Asaba Radaglia this year as a centre-half back, who, let's let's be honest, hasn't really done that before. No. He's had less than 12 months of development in that role. Yeah. Geelong might put the development in. He might get games into his career as a defender. Yeah. Another club like Port Adelaide might reap the benefits. Brisbane is another one to watch in this space as well, who are looking for a key back with Marcus Adams out with concussion. Last year, Port went for him. He was under contract, now out of contract. Geelong have no choice but to play him at key back. They've got no one else to play that role unless they move Blitzales back, which they refuse to do. So what's he going to be worth? Like if he if, On his current floor, he hasn't set the world on fire as a key back. But let, let's seen. say that he warms into the season because yeah. he's shown flashes, right? Yeah. And he ends up being a relatively consistent centre-half back for a top four side. Yeah. Four to five hundred grand a year. Yeah, I agree. He's somewhere between that, isn't he? And he's got all the hallmarks of doing it. Like he's got all the tools. Yep. And you talk to anyone at Geelong and they say he's really upskilled in that area phenomenally. He's got a sort a long way to go to put it on, on field, but they're loving what he's doing at the club. So if he can continues on this way, another club could reap the benefit of someone like a Sarvratical. Two listener questions in one mm. episode. I'm liking where this is going. And I'm liking the voice memos. Yeah. The voice memos are a real thing. I can't know if people are using them for dating yet after last week's episode. Well, my, my friend has a lot of success with the voice memos, the go-to voice memos. Not even a hi, how are you, just straight to voice memo. I'm big on that. Uh, before we go, anything major planned for this week? We had uh, – Tradies went went global last week. Yeah. When we got we got papped <laughs> on uh, Glamour on the Grid. I, I'd like to sit here and say that a photographer came up and demanded that we go to the photo wall. What ended up happening is that we asked your lovely partner, Kate, to take a photo <laughs> of us and made it look like we were more important than we were. And you were dressed brilliantly as always, and I was in the conservative TV suit. I had to cross from there earlier in the day. No, were you wearing a different... I was wearing a bow tie. So you were wearing a normal Channel 7 suit? No, it was a. It was more of a dinner suit. It was a, like a black, not, not usually what I wear on air. You were wearing a black dinner suit with a bow tie and a normal white shirt? Yes. It's just, it's disappointing. <laughs> it just speaks to my conservative ways. You, you've, when we get fashion partners on board, you can be the one driving all that because I've got nothing when it comes to fashion. Did you get there at all I'm for the race? I'm glad you said that <laughs> and I didn't. Uh, I was there Friday, Saturday, but uh, some of us have to work on the weekends. So I was working, <laughs> working on Sunday. Yeah. You, you, you're starting to take over on Saturday nights, by the way. Don't, don't think that I'm not watching this space. I know you're a big Saturday Scoop fan. I'm not at all, but 
because I'm in my 30s now and I find myself doing less on the weekends. I just mm. sit home and watch footy until all hours. Your late night Saturday work. So you, is, what you're saying is getting, you're at, it's getting quite loose and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. You're our target demographic. We should be catering for viewers like yourself. Yeah, I think so. And you know I'm, I'm a huge Nat Edwards fan. Yep. She's amazing. But I think- We all are. I think just let her- just don't okay, take I'll, over from her. That's all I'm all saying. Right, I'm okay. just, you know, it's I'm, I'm just watching it closely and I feel like- By the way, are you going to Adelaide for Gather Round? Uh, no. Why? No, I'm just curious. We're talking about taking tradies. We took it international last week. Now we thought we might take it interstate. No. No, Adelaide's somewhere that I haven't frequented in the last few years. <laughs> Happy to talk a little bit about that next week. But we're out of time. More, more crows skewed. Here on the uh, <laughs> on the tradies. Uh, if you'd like to ask us a question, hit us up. S Mc- I'm smcleur16 on Instagram. Mitch is at Cleary underscore Mitch. Uh, we've both got Twitter accounts. I still haven't got into mine. If anyone from Twitter listens to this podcast, can you please help me get back into my account? Um, <laughs> and you can visit us on our TikTok, TikTok accounts as well, at tradies podcast. Thanks for listening. Mitch, we'll see you next week. See you then. Thank you for listening to another Producey podcast. If you enjoyed the show, it would be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share it with your friends. So if you want to get in touch, share feedback, suggestions, or to advertise with one of our podcasts, then simply email hello at Producey.com. Thanks for tuning in.